Attention all pharmacy industry professionals. This isn't your grandfather's podcast. This is... What the hell are you talking about? Our grandfathers never even listened to podcasts. The internet wasn't even around. Shut your pie hole. My grandfather loves podcasts and so does my maca. Your what? This is the RX Rated Podcast. Part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Did you say maca? Put the fidget spinners away. Punch in the coordinates for the jump to light speed. And do or do not, there is no try. What kind of asshat introduction is this? The podcast dedicated to all the pharmacy professionals in this crazy sector of healthcare. Um, what was that? The RX-rated podcast. Dude, seriously, you already said that three other times. This is bullshit. Welcome to the RX-Rated Podcast. My name is Dr. Jeffrey Winger. That is at JWingerPharmD on Twitter. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Dr. Maurice Shaw, the doctor of comedy. How are you, sir? Pretty good. A little tired. Getting, I have an NBC audition on uh, Saturday, so I'm getting ready for that. Oh, good for you. I'll ask you about that in a moment. And then... With us is our very, well, not our very first, but our first guest in a, in a quite a while, the Fit Pharmacist. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing fantastic. That's good. Glad to hear. And where can the folks find you, Mr. Fit Pharmacist, on the internet? On the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, my main... On social, I'm uh, at the Fit Pharmacist on Instagram. That's where I spend a lot of my time. Um, also on LinkedIn, and uh, you can check out my website. We have tons of free resources on there, uh, thefitpharmacist.com. Or if you are a tweeter, tweeter, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm on there as well. I went to your website, and I have to say, kudos to you. That is a very professional-looking, extravagant really nice website you've got going on there. Um, how hard was that to put together? Well, thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, it, all, it, never, it, it wasn't always that way, we'll just say that. Um, when I started, I just wanted to get a website up, and I started this back in 2013, I believe. So I did the whole WordPress gambit with uh, blogs and such, but I am not exactly what you call a techie. So... <laughs> I evolved that into what is now the fitpharmacist.com, and it has been really an awesome adventure. Um, I have a phenomenal web developer who is involved with a company that I run the nutrition consulting with known as The Diet Doc, um, and he is phenomenal. Uh, he has done tremendous work, so I want to give a shout-out to Matt Page, uh, who is my web developer, but... Yeah, that's that's uh, that's my baby. So that's where all the resources are. Because my my goal is to help people with simple solutions to nutrition to help them be healthy while working in a pharmacy environment, whether that be you know, retail, hospital, still in pharmacy school. So over the years, I, I picked up tips, networked with other people. So I thought, you know, I need to get all these together so that people can get started on their path to happiness and health. So there it is, and I'm very glad you guys enjoy it. And I noticed that you have a YouTube channel, too. There was a link on your website to YouTube, and you've got a few videos up there. Yeah, so that started a while ago, but I've been putting a video up about once a week pretty consistently for the past four or five months. Oh. I'm really trying to deliver value. 
because a lot of people, you know, commute or they're, you know, get back from working a 13 hour shift in the pharmacy and they just want to, you know, veg out, if you could say. And if you've already been watched all the Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead, then you can head over to YouTube and <laughs> see the Fit Pharmacist channel. Um, but there, I, I really break it down into a few main concepts being how to handle stress as a pharmacist, how to handle stress outside of pharmacy, simple, healthy tips that you can put in. And something that I've started a few months ago is interviewing people that are experts in their niche, be it in pharmacy or outside of pharmacy, but either way related to what we do as health professionals so that you can really get on your cutting edge at living your life in optimal health. Um, I had Dr. Corey Probst uh, talk about motivational interviewing, which is something that we really use on a frequent basis as pharmacists, not just with smoking cessation, but really in all modalities with patient care. Um, and especially if you're into health coaching, as I am with nutrition consulting, uh, we can't just give information. We really have to meet the client or patient where they are and then guide them to their goal based on that place. So motivational interviewing is a huge tool um, that we learned in pharmacy school for smoking cessation, but has so many modalities that can be implemented with it. Um, so that's one. Also, how to fit in fitness as a busy professional. Um, that I interviewed my coach when I was down in Nashville last month uh, with Coach Luke Probst, who's phenomenal. He's actually my coach. Um, he puts together my workout programs. If you guys follow me on Instagram at the Fit Pharmacist, you know I put a ton in my uh, Instagram stories on my workouts, deadlifts, squats. It's it's all the fun because it's easy to highlight the the glory and you know the end goal, but you know watching that grunt work through the process that people don't really talk about. I figured, you know, I'm going to show people what it takes to get to that level of, you know, high performance, pushing that heavy weight. Um, so I'm, I'm drug-free lifetime. So to do that, it takes a lot of consistency and years and years of work. Um, so I thought, you know, why not show that process, show the, the you know, grinning and bearing it, the boring stuff, you could say. Um, but coming back, yeah, that's, that's the YouTube place. So I hope you guys find value in that because that's really the idea is to, empower pharmacists and other healthcare professionals on how to live healthy as a healthcare professional. Well, I'm definitely going to check this out. I'm looking at your videos on YouTube and at your, your website mentions stress management and nutrition, and there's a macro calculator and you do a podcast as well. And yeah, Dr. Shaw and I are always complaining about, you know, the stress involved with working retail pharmacy and, you know, we resort to things like vodka and moonshine, but <laughs> I'd be open to hear some other options. <laughs> well, different strokes for different folks, man, but yeah, I hear you. Um, it, it definitely can be stressful and I, I definitely don't have it easy per se. Um, just for my personal situation, I've been in the same pharmacy since 2012, really blessed with phenomenal techs, amazing patient population, and it's, it's really like a family there, really great patient relationships, which is why I, well, the main reason I love pharmacy so much. But even if everything's given, you know, companies cut hours or people call off or there's an issue. So stress is bound to happen, especially that's just hand in hand with pharmacy. But how we manage that will really allow us to function at our optimum so that the care we give our patients and those we work with are at the very fullest potential that we can deliver. Um, so any tips that can help people along that way, 
that kind of stuff's on my site. Um, I try to make it as simple as possible to implement because I'm sure you guys have read some things about how to manage stress or how to be healthy. And you just laugh at it because like, this is never going to fly in my world. I mean, whether that be diet, you know, eating a salad, like that's not really possible in a high volume community pharmacy. So there are certain tips that are great in theory, but when you come to the real world of pharmacy, depending on your practice, it's not implementable. It's not practical. So over the years, I found what actually works for pharmacists, pharmacy students, nurses, PAs, physicians, and that's really my specialty, my niche, is how to take that science-based information that is proven through research to be effective for optimal health and converting that to our work environment so that we can actually do the stuff, not just talk about it or think about it and not have the means to put it into practice, but how to do that in a simple way that you actually enjoy. Because a lot of times people want to get healthy and they really put the word die in diet. It's no fun. It's not foods they enjoy. And it's oftentimes very restrictive, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's a lot of simple things we can do low-hanging fruit, that once we implement that and form it into a habit, that's what really gets the momentum going, and that's what's going to lead us to long-term success. That sounds good. I'm looking forward to look, getting into your stuff and seeing what you got to say about that. I think, yeah, I remember uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme saying recently that he suffers from depression and didn't realize it for the longest time, and exercise was how he dealt with it. I think now he's on venlafaxine, but uh, I think the three of us are pretty heavy into exercise. This might be the most heavily testosterone-laden podcast of all time in the pharmacy world. Bring but it on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask each of you, I'll, I'll go with the fit pharmacist first, and then Dr. Shaw, I want you to chime in. But what supplements do you guys take every day? I'll tell you what I take real quick. I take vitamin D3, B12, a general multivitamin. I take biotin glucosamine, chondroitin, omega-3 fish oils, and creatine. I used to take an 81 milligram aspirin every day. I've sort of stopped doing that, but that's about it. What, what do you guys take? Excellent question. Um, with that being said, obviously we want to make sure that our nutrition is on point first. That way we're covering our, you know, the majority of our bases, that, that 80 to 90% range of all the goodies. But as you know, to get everything optimal, it's, it's a little difficult. So that's when supplements come into play to literally just supplement the diet that we've been putting all our energy and focus on. Kind of like an insurance policy is how I like to look at it. Um, but what, for me personally, uh, multivitamin, vitamin D, uh, fish oil, and then uh, protein powder because I try to get that, that extra in, particularly in days I work at the pharmacy. Um, not much time to chew a chicken breast, but protein shake, really makes the difference time-wise. Dr. Shaw? I, um, <clears throat> I try to do uh, a meal replacement uh, shake, and I try to do one, one healthy meal. Um, I try to pre-cook my meals ahead of time, and then I take a uh, – I was taking a – funny story. I was taking a, a GNC uh, Mega Men Performance Vitality Pack, and then I realized that – I was like, what is this fifth pill? And I just realized for like the last – Three months, that fifth pill was horny goat weed. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? But yeah, usually I have one uh, meal replacement shake. I take definitely a fish oil. 
uh, and a multivitamin. And then uh, when I go to the gym, I go to the gym after work and I may take a, a little amino energy just to try to give me a little boost before I lift. And then that's about it. Awesome. One, one I actually forgot to mention that I started implementing about a year ago um, for general health. And it really, I feel makes a difference um, is magnesium. Uh, taking that at bedtime has really been phenomenal. And the more I read about it, the more health benefits that it has just for the general population, not to mention someone that's you know very active in sports. So that's something I've added and personally I enjoy. So I wanted to throw that in as well. I found that I'll eat breakfast. I usually have uh, cereal with bananas and walnuts. And then maybe four hours later, I'll have a big lunch. And then I don't eat again until the next morning. And I just realized that what I'm doing is called intermittent fasting. Are you guys familiar with intermittent fasting? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes. I just learned about this recently and <laughs> I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But apparently that's a really good way to lose weight and keep your body fat down is to not eat for 16 hours or something like that. Do you guys do that at all? Uh, personally, for me, it's not a preference for myself. But there are lots of people that have had tremendous results. Um, and just touching on diet strategies, there's so many out there, carb cycling, keto diet, intermittent fasting, as you mentioned. And I don't think there's a bad diet. I don't think there's the perfect diet. However, I think that the perfect diet is really the diet that the individual can enjoy, allow them to be socially flexible, and can maintain while still reaching their goals. So a lot of times I see people with this mindset, and sorry, I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick. Okay. Um, so this is what I do. But because uh, I was just speaking about this at Point Park a couple weeks ago, um, so their faculty regarding how to eat healthy on the go, and that was one of the questions is, you know, which diet is the best? So really it comes down to sustainability. Is it something you enjoy? Is it something that's leading you toward your goals? Because those are all different depending on the individual. And is it something that is healthy both mentally and, you know, gets, gets all your nutrients? and allows you to function at your prime, both with your body and your mind. So that really comes down to those components. So if you are on a diet or trying a diet and you're suffering, then that is not the diet for you. But if you're on a strategy like uh, you had mentioned and you're enjoying it, you're seeing results, that sounds like it's something to look into more, learn more about and see where it takes you. Have either of you ever written a book on pharmacy or diet or nutrition or exercise or anything like that? Well, I didn't want to spoil it, but there are a couple on the way. <laughs> Good. I, I was thinking the three of us should co-write a book on fitness and call it Diet and Exercise According to Pharmacists. And, you know, just a new angle because you got all these people that are writing books. I've never seen one that is from a pharmacist who's talking about this issue. But tell me what exactly in the works. Yes, yeah, so that that's coming shortly. I don't want to give too much away, but um, I have some phenomenal individuals who are really cutting edge in the industry of nutrition, of fitness, and especially mindset, because that's where it all starts. And that's what I have found with a lot of other coaches out there help trying to help people get healthy, is they focus just on the food, just on the fitness, but they totally leave out the mindset. And that's what drives our actions is the thoughts that we have. So let's say, for example, you're good intention, you want to do intermittent fasting, whatever diet, 
you have a real stressful day at the pharmacy, your tech called off. I know that never happens to anybody, <laughs> but let's say your tech randomly calls off, you know, never happened to anyone ever before. So that happens. So you're running around, don't have time to eat and you get home and you haven't effectively dealt with the stress. So what happens before you know it, all the cupboards are open, the food's gone and you, you literally said what just happened and you feel like a failure because you went off your plan you see the food's gone. You can feel you're super full and you don't know exactly how much you ate, but you know, it was more than you should have. And that's what we call emotional eating, which is real. And that's what drives a lot of what goes on, especially in healthcare professionals when it comes to um, getting off track or away from our goals with health and wellness. Let's take another one. Environmental cues. So have you ever forgot your lunch? And it depends where you work, if you work at a Publix or a Giant Eagle or a supermarket. But let's say for, for my pharmacy, I've been blessed to be in a pharmacy with the poorest selection of grab-go foods I've ever seen in my life. There's literally three items that, <laughs> that I could actually stomach down. But let's just say that you forgot your meals and you're in a pinch and you forgot to plan and prepare. And other people around you, aren't necessarily gauged to being on track with their nutrition. It's not a goal at all for them. Let's say you, you even go out for lunch with them, but you're trying to lose weight or gain muscle or just be healthy overall. But for them, that's not even on the radar. So you're one of, let's say, six people at the table. They're all ordering you know, New England clam chowder, some loaded baked potatoes with extra sour cream, maybe some chicken and dumplings with extra gravy. And each of them do that, but you're trying to stay healthy. You get a feeling that you might have had in high school, something called peer pressure. Y'all know that. Um, that's yep. called environmental pressures. You probably, depending on the time of day, your motivation level, and your, quote, willpower, will not order what you originally intended in the beginning of the day or what you planned your week to look like. So those are just a couple of the many psychological factors that go into maintaining healthy living, healthy nutrition. And that's what we're really going to look at in the book. Um, I have a really awesome colleague of mine in the fitness industry who owns that niche, and she is just phenomenal. Uh, so I'm really excited to introduce her to Pharmacy World. I know she's worked with several pharmacists in the past, but sharing that pharmacy spotlight is, is going to be really exciting. Um, but just a little snippet of why mindset's important in the overall picture with nutrition, health, and wellness, and being the fit pharmacist. Let me ask you guys, what, what do you both think is the cause of the current obesity epidemic? Uh, I keep reading in these articles, 60% of people in America are overweight, 30% are morbidly obese, and the problem keeps getting worse, and child obesity is getting out of hand. What do you think is behind all that? I'll let uh, Dr. Shaw, you go first. Um, it's just, from my experience growing up, I grew up in an area that we didn't have a lot of money, and the only thing that we could afford were uh, unhealthy food options. I could get a hamburger, fries, and pop for $1.99. But, you know, if we went someplace that I could get a salad, it might be $6.99. So I think a lot of places are, I actually did a little bit of research on this, are, are considered like food deserts, whereas you really have to go outside of your community to get um, healthy food options. So to me, I felt like, especially from my experience, that's kind of why um, – there's a huge obesity problem, especially in low-income areas. Obviously, people make bad health choices, 
uh, bad food, a lot of bad foods, you know, they taste good, but also a lot of healthy foods taste good as well. But we kind of get fixated on certain foods and that everybody else eats. And, you know, it's just kind of like the society norm, everything you see on the TV and commercials, that's kind of what people eat. So that's just kind of my little soapbox on it. So Dr. Fit Pharmacist, is, why, why are the healthy foods more expensive than the cheap fattening foods? Cheaper to make. Very simple. Very simple. One possible, one possible reason, not the reason. But I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely a factor for a lot of people. Um, it's not an all end-all, be-all. Um, this is a factor that I have encountered many times, especially helping other students um, across other health professions who are looking to get healthy. And I ask them, you know, what has gotten in the way in the past when you've tried to improve your nutrition? And that's one of the most common reasons I would have is it's too expensive. Um, so that's one of the resources I have on my website is how to eat healthy on a budget. There's a lot of great tips in there. Um, I can send you guys the article if you want to put it in your show notes. Um, but again, it's practical tips, things that you can actually do. Yeah. Um, so like one, one thing is, oh, well, you know, Whole Foods is really expensive. And yes, that's true. But if you know their tricks and you know where to look, you can get some really good deals. For example, one thing I do, um, there's a certain product I like to buy, and I wait till it goes on sale. And when it does go on sale, if you buy it by the case, you get an additional 10% off the sale price. So the, the price now becomes cheaper than you would find it at Walmart, and that wow. specific product is of higher quality. So that's just one like little, I call it a health hack. Um, there's actually a, site, a, a part on the site I'm building up for things like this so that people can just grab them, you know, quick, simple, implementable changes that you can start making right away uh, to get your, get your motivation and momentum rolling. But yeah, there are, it's definitely, it can be a factor. It's not a death sentence per se, but it definitely is a factor that can get in the way. But luckily there's a solution to every problem. So that's just one thing to keep in mind for sure. I always laugh when I, when I, I watch all these documentaries, so I always get like the bare naked chicken, the ones I see that have like no added antibiotics, nothing added to it. I'm like, why does this cost almost twice as much as the chicken where they spent extra ingredients to inject it? Yeah. People to put all this other stuff. I'm like, shouldn't this be half the price? Is this less work? It's just <laughs> the chicken, you killed it and you sliced it up. So I always laugh uh-huh. at that, but I'm paying extra money for the chicken with no antibiotics. Extra for less. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that's the other thing, too, is with the media. So it really depends. You really got to look at where we get our information from. Um, Because a lot of times the media will take one little instance and create the scare because, of course, they want to make headlines and sell their papers or get the eyeball real estate or whatever source it is. But you got to really consider the source. Um, And if they're spreading whatever story just to get the views or if it's actual science, and that's something that I talk about in the book that's coming up as well, uh, which I think will be real valuable for people looking to get healthy. Um, but yeah, like you said, labels like no hormones and things like that, there are so many labeling verbiages that aren't even regulated by the FDA. For example, did you know that you can label a donut as all natural? And just by saying all natural, that will increase sales dramatically. What does all natural mean? Nothing. It means nothing, (laughs) but it increases sales because it sounds healthy. Just like if you have um, GMO free or 
organic or gluten-free. Gluten-free means gluten-free. It does not mean healthy. However, people associate that that means that it's automatically healthy. So while it might not have gluten, it could have a ton of fat and a lot of extra sugar, carbohydrates. So you might think that you're eating a healthy source, but if you don't watch that portion size or frequency, it can really add up to leading to unhealthy results like waking. Um, but just a couple things uh, to be on the lookout for when you're trying to make those healthy decisions. And that's why it can be so confusing and overwhelming and frustrating. And that's really what I help um, my clients with is, you know, really simplifying all the, the noise. Because literally, just look at the news or online or any article you see. You know, today, you're going to see a headline that says, like, you know, eating all carbs is the best way to live forever. Tomorrow, it's going to say, no, fat. Fat's where it's at. you got to have tons of fat. And then come Monday in a couple of days, they're going to say, oh, you don't want any of that. You want straight protein. So we get bombarded by these headlines all the time of misinformation, of taking one result from one single study and extrapolating it that, you know, this correlation is actually a causation. And it's, you know, for all populations, when in reality, it's one single study that hasn't been replicated. And it only looked at, you know, 30-year-old men in Pittsburgh, let's say, but there was a correlation. So the media took that, said, oh, this will look great. We'll say everyone in the United States is at risk for this thing. So, you know, it gets your attention, but it's not necessarily true. It's, it's skewed data. Yeah. So that's why we really got to look at where we're getting our information because it can, it can cause an upstairs and just lead to that confusion and frustration, which is why so many people feel overwhelmed and even have anxiety about, you know, how to eat, what's the right way to eat. Um, and that's, that's where my passion came from is helping people to just focus on three simple things. It reminds me of that scare that came out a couple of years ago about proton pump inhibitors might cause dementia. And it was based on one study that was done, the small sample size. And now they're saying, yeah, proton pump inhibitors have no cause there's no cause to fear dementia and it's like, but everybody was panicking about that for the longest time and and that's exactly how it starts yeah. and that fear will last for months or years even though you know it's been squelched let's just look at vaccines for example touch that object look at how many times that whole all you know the vaccine issue with what it can cause and so forth how many years it's been since that's been discredited. And still to this day, how many times do you have people that come in around flu season and make comments about why they're not getting it? Yeah. You know? But it's that's, almost like, that's, that's part of the formula. It's almost like the powers that be want us to all end up being the human blobs in that Pixar Wally movie that are being moved around by automatic chairs who can't even stand up under their own power anymore and they just <laughs> just can't even have you seen this movie where it's like a dystopian future where humans can't even take care of themselves anymore and we're all morbidly obese being moved around by automated machines <laughs> it sounds like quite the fiesta it's yeah that's why i'm really looking forward to yeah keep us informed and and let us know when your stuff is coming out because more people need to learn about this we got to like I said, an obesity epidemic that we really need to start doing something about because it's getting out of hand. Absolutely. And I think people are taking action. They are trying. Um, it's just that, like I said, there's so much misinformation and they start going towards direction A, but then the media tells them go to B and their friends tell them to go to C. 
And then, you know, the other thing says, oh, no, zigzag down to S. So yeah, just finding that simple route that works best for the individual. Because that's, that's the magic is you've got to look at people as individuals rather than a cookie cutter plan or, you know, buy this supplement or, or anything like that. Really assessing where that person is, what their history has been, learning from them because they have a ton of information to share. They have a ton of knowledge because most people have not, this is not their first rodeo. They've tried a few diets before. So they've got the experience. They know what does not work understanding why that doesn't work, what their barriers are, and really focusing with that mindset to empower them to overcome it and turn those into really strengths rather than obstacles uh, is part of the way that we really get people moving towards a momentum leading them to success. That's sustainable. And that's the key that I focus on is a lot of, just look at America. We're great at losing weight. We're great at it. However, keeping it off is really the issue. 98% of people who lose weight gain it back within two years. Wow, 98%. Wow. That statistic has not changed in close to 30 years. So we're good at losing it, but how to keep it off long-term, how to sustain that and really turn it into a lifestyle, again, how I describe that as being something you enjoy, something that is healthy both for your body and socially so it doesn't isolate you, because a lot of people who try, let, let's say, clean eating will avoid birthday parties, you know, fiestas or whatever, because their, quote, their food isn't available and they don't want that anxiety. So allowing people to make those choices based on the structure and science that we've taught them, because that's my focus is to empower people to become their own best nutritionist, that will lead them to make flexible choices in any situation, in any environment at any time so that they stay on track with what that goal is for them. Well, it sounds like you're doing yeoman's work, and I want to say thank you for, for doing that. I'm really looking forward to reading your stuff. I know you're a busy guy, and you got to go pretty soon, but i got one more question for you. So you're based out of Pittsburgh, right? Yes, sir. Does that mean you're a big Steelers fan? <laughs> oh, we go downtown at Permanis and that, and Southside, get some burrs and brewskis and that Permanis. Yeah, man. I got a cousin in Pittsburgh. He sent me a terrible towel. I use it to work out with. But uh, Dr. Shaw's from Chicago. He's a Bears fan. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan myself. But um, any big hopes for the Steelers this year? How are they looking? Pay Levy. Oh, man. It doesn't matter. Because when you're in Steeler country, it doesn't matter. It's all one <laughs> big happy family. And that's what's so amazing. Even like when there's a Steeler game, you can go shopping in a grocery store, and that's on the radio. Everyone's got terrible towels. There's terrible towels. Um, when you go through like the, uh, the frozen food section, there's terrible towels on all the handles of the, the freezers in the supermarkets. It's literally like a huge family. Um, and just that camaraderie is really cool. And that, that transcends to the Penguins, if you're into hockey, the Pirates, if you're into baseball. Um, but Pittsburgh is just a phenomenal city of hardworking people that come together when it really matters. And when it really matters is when them sellers play. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a little older than you guys. I was born in the early 70s, so I grew up a Steelers fan. All throughout the 70s, as a little kid, I was a huge Steelers fan. And then I quit watching Iron football Coat. all throughout the 80s. And then once the 90s hit, I became a Buffalo Bills fan. But, yeah, I, the greatest dynasty of all time, in my opinion, is the Steelers of the 70s. Even better than the 49ers of the 80s. I'm Joe Green. 
I watch the uh, NFL draft and uh, I'm huge into football. I watch every draft pick. You know me. I, lo- I love DraftKings and I watched the uh, Steelers. They had their linebacker who was almost paralyzed, could barely walk. He like introduced the pick and they drafted a linebacker. And I was like, it's got to be scary for that guy who's a linebacker watching another <laughs> linebacker barely walk on stage to introduce him. I thought that was a little bit crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate you joining us and I hope you uh, come on again in the future. You're welcome anytime. And with that, um, people can check you out. You gave them the information at the beginning of the show. So uh, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, my friends. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'd be honored to be back anytime. Uh, But yeah, as far as social goes, uh, best place to reach me is on Instagram at the fit pharmacist also find me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter. Like I said, if you're into Twitter, uh, my account is at the fit farm and also the best place for resources to help you get started and empower yourself on your own mission towards health is the fit pharmacist.com. All right. Beautiful. Thanks. You. Thank you, my friend. You have a good day. Thank, hey, you. thank you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye. So, Dr. Shah, before we close out, I had one question for you, something that's been I've been meaning to ask you, and I, I never remember to ask you this, but you perform, you got something big coming up pretty soon, don't you? Yeah, I have uh, submitted a clip. Every year, NBC does these, NBC for, um, like, diversity type of um, events where they kind of have, like, all these comedians submit video clips or audition in person and uh, trying to give them you know, people who aren't discovered a chance to get discovered. So I submitted a video clip of me talking about the pharmacy and um, they liked my video. So I have to go on Saturday to do a two minute uh, audition for some executives from NBC and they liked me. I move on till Sunday where I do five to seven minutes. I believe the winner goes on to LA where all the different cities, the winner of each one kind of does a little showcase. So well, I hope you get it. I'll be. Uh, I'll have my fingers crossed for you. But my question for you is: How nervous do you get before a show, and how do you cope with that? Um, it just kind of depends how many people is in the audience. Sometimes when it's three hundred and fifty people, I get a little bit nervous. I usually cope with that. I usually take a shot or two before I go on. Then you kind of <laughs> like whatever. But once you get that first laugh, and you can tell how they respond, then you know. After that, it's pretty much just I'm going up there to tell my story about being a pharmacist. And it's just since there's situations that happen to me, it's just, I don't know, the, the, the nervousness goes away. Have you ever had a heckler? I've, I've had people, they're not necessarily heckling. They like like what I'm saying. And they're like, yeah, that's funny. That's so funny. And they just keep talking and keep talking. And uh, so I've had, had that um, a few a few occasions. Do you ever tell a politically incorrect joke and get the groan from the audience? To be honest, I stay away from politics <laughs> and gay jokes. Like I will, I will not uh, touch those two topics. Um, it is funny though. One time when I used to have a comedy group, we used to have a room and we used to pack out the room once a month. So a guy's like, Hey, I want to make a DVD, um, a comedy DVD. I'll pay you guys X amount of dollars to have people show up. And I'll do my set. So the guy, we pack out this place, 150 people. He's doing his set. He's doing nothing but kid rape jokes. 
and nobody's laughing. He keeps going and going. You would think after the first two jokes, like, you know, like the topic, you move on. He's like, you guys, I'm going to keep going till you laugh. And then like 10 minutes into his set, he just goes, F this. And he like walks off and his girlfriend's like, what's wrong? He's like, I'm done. I'm done with comedy. I had to run on stage. And I go, you know, I had to make some little funny jokes. But if it's a certain topic, you should stay away from that's a shame that you can't just it, like it's a joke and people can't lighten up. There was like back in the 80s, you could joke about almost anything. I remember watching. I think I mentioned this. Eddie Murphy's delirious. In the first five minutes, he's talking about homosexuals and he's really ripping on them hard. You could never get away with that today. And it's just I don't know. I, I consider that de-evolution. I think it was better back in the 80s when you. Everybody was like lighthearted and you could make fun and you know, everybody wasn't so sensitive and offended. I, I don't think it bodes well for the future that we're such overly sensitive snowflakes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get in trouble for saying anything nowadays. You, oh, so nowadays, if you wink at a lady, you're going to get in trouble. Oh, God. Don't get me started on that. Uh Things that used to be romantic are now considered stalky and creepy and women are getting offended by every little thing. Oh my God. I, I'm not even going to get off on that tangent. But you and I are, were friends of, of the Roseanne show. What do you think of what happened to her? Yeah, it's sad. I still think she's funny, but it's she probably was like that back in the day, but there was just no Twitter. So nobody, <laughs> nobody really knew. She said uh, the side effect of Ambien was racism. I tend to think racism is a pre-existing condition, but, you know. Well, I heard Joe Rogan talk about, because he was supposed to interview her, and he talked, He said he talked to her on the phone, and she said, I had no idea this woman was black. I thought she was Jewish. She looks like my Jewish relatives. So she claims that she had no idea. And she's like, I'm not stupid. Do you really think I would say this about a black person? You'd have to be insane. All right, my friends, this show really doesn't have an end. The end to this show was cut off by the uh, system that we were using to record it. So I'm just going to close out now by saying thank you for listening. As we say in Florida, adios amigo. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And this is a really good one. And until next time, we'll see you then. Hello, it's your drug dealer. I thought I'd call In case you needed anything at all You know you can always call me just to talk But I mostly want to sell you drugs Drug dealer